0: Thank you.
1: Welcome back to the Bob McGinn Football Podcast on BobMcGinnFootball I'm your host Charlie McGinn, and today's podcast is brought to you by Appa Games. Appa Games is proud to sponsor the Bob McGinn Football Podcast. As a subscriber to this podcast, you have shown that you are more knowledgeable than the average football fan. With Appa Football, you have the chance to use your football knowledge to co- coach real-life pro football players. You are the coach of every single play. Coaching alone will seldom win you games in APA. If you don't have the players or you're plagued with injuries, you'll find it just as tough to win as you would in real life. APA football covers every aspect of football, and as the coach, you will decide which players will fill out each of the 11 positions on your offensive and defensive platoons. That's APA football, and you can check it out at APA, that's apba apbagames.com app of football so dad today's music you were the one that picked this out Uh, any
0: rhyme or reason uh christmas 1967 charlie Um, i was given an album by cream called disraeli gears and cream was an all-time classic band with eric clapton jack bruce and ginger baker on drums and there was a, this, I was over at my grandma's house for that Christmas Eve. When I got this album, she had this little tiny, it would be like a, like a keyboard machine or a, a turntable with a built-in uh, speaker. I mean, it hardly made any noise at all. I remember taking that album, going up there like it was just, you know, like I had the, the Holy Grail or something. And listening to uh, that song, we just heard Sunshine of Your Love, 1967, Does... off the Disraeli Gears album. Does that song was
1: that song remade, or why do I know? I've heard, I listened to it, and I've heard that intro before. I feel like that intro is has been somewhere else, or maybe it's in movies. But I definitely knew that song without Could without knowing. Yeah, it. <laughs> that it's makes pretty sense. much of a classic. I'm not sure of that. Yep. Okay. Well, hey, I liked it. So chalk up another one Good. in the in the pro column for your music selection. You are. Um, you you, are, lo-
0: you also like. You like the human beings that uh, nobody but uh, me or whatever. It was. Yeah. You like that earlier, but okay,
1: you're on fire. Uh, so yeah. we have we have a packed episode today. Um, so we'll dig into the week uh, that was against the Carolina Panthers. We're going to be talking Aaron Rodgers, the Pro Bowl or lack of invites at, to the Pro Bowl for the Green Bay Packers. Um, we'll discuss the Vikings game and then some news and notes from your column uh, regarding the draft and some other items. So let's start with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, the news just broke yesterday that he is headed to the IR for the season uh, coming off the Carolina Panthers loss. Let's start there. Um, what are your thoughts when it comes to Aaron Rodgers and the decision to go to IR?
0: Yeah, um, you know, Mike McCarthy said it was uh, in the best interest of Rodgers and of the basically of the entire organization for him to go on IR. Um, Rodgers was down five times in this game, Charlie, with his broken collarbone, three sacks and two knockdowns. He also rushed six times, but those were his slides. are running out of bounds. Rodgers, after the game, said he was a little sore. Um, McCarthy said the same thing Monday, and then they made the move on Tuesday. Um, I don't doubt that he is sore, and um, you see it. So how do you see the the move to put Rodgers
1: down for two games? Well, he's not going to IR because he's sore. I mean, that's obvious. They lost, and their season's <laughs> pretty much over. That's why he's going to IR. So it wouldn't matter. He, he could be – I mean, if they win, he's playing. That's the bottom line. So I guess I see it from a business perspective and – If I was a diehard Packers fan, personally, I wouldn't want him to play. Um, If my star quarterback had basically a couple meaningless games left and the rest of his future, I guess going into next year, could be put in jeopardy, I wouldn't want that when the season's already over. But I also see it from some diehard fans' perspective where, hey, get out there. We paid for these tickets. We're going to the game. We're planning Christmas around this. We hate the Vikings, so get out there and play. So I have a feeling it's pretty split. Um, Personally, on my end, I see the business side. I see the forward-thinking side. I think it's a risk if he plays. I get that it's more likely that he would not get re-injured, but if he does get rolled up on and that thing breaks again, I mean, who knows what happens in the offseason. So that's kind of where I stand. I I figured – I said it earlier uh, when we had a podcast a couple weeks ago. I said if the Packers aren't in it, I don't think he'll come back. And this proves my point. They're not in it, and he's not coming back.
0: Well said, Charles. You covered really all the parameters of that extremely well. Um, Yeah, you really did. I – maybe I'm a bit of a Neanderthal on this, you know, but I really believe (laughs) – I believe in the sanctity of these football games. There's only 16 of them, and especially for Packer fans. Uh, um, I'll tell you one thing, no matter what you say, but if this team finishes 7-9 and nine with a losing season, that's a real albatross around the neck of a, a coach who's been there for 12 years and a GM for 13 and a quarterback for well, – now not him – and Murphy, who's been there for about nine, you don't want to have a losing season. And people can say these are meaningless games, and that 0 and 2, who cares? And you go down to the, you go down to the Vikings and the Lions, and seven and nine, so what? Uh, it's it it is a big deal. That, um, what do you say to your other 52 guys? You know, uh, I mean, he's healthy, but he's sitting it out. Now, he's gonna have a, a huge contract negotiation, probably an extension worth $30 million here. Everybody's thinking about that too. Um, it's not a good precedent for those guys in that locker room. Um, it's kind of, you know, It's basically waving the white flag. Football, pro football, boy, it's all for one, one for all, the ultimate team game. You're in it together. Yeah, it shows some weakness on the part of the organization. This is just me now, and I'm certainly not a fan, but I know the way a lot of blue-collar, long-time, older fans think. Their mental their mental outlook for a week at a time hinges on how this team plays. And now you got the Vikings coming in here, riding high, 11-3, favored by 9, um... What what could happen is you could have like Randy Moss in 1998 in that playoff game when he mooned the crowd. You're going to have Purple coming in here, gallivanting all around Lambeau Field potentially. Um, are guys really going to want to play that hard when they know their their leader has been given a pass? No. I don't really know. I, I just, I'm not sure, but it sends a bad, ugly message. And the players will not admit that, but there's going to be a segment in that locker room it's going to really check out on, on this with after this decision.
1: Yeah. And I, and I hear you point point taken. I mean, in the NFL, you're right because even being the fantasy guy that I am, like there's guys that are playing injured on losing teams all year, um, especially weeks, 15, 16, and 17. And cause you're always sitting there wondering like, are they going to shut them down? And most often they don't shut them down, even though their season's clearly over. So to that point, I mean that's true. It it's not like this precedent has been set. Now obviously Aaron Rodgers isn't like every other player in the NFL and he is truly coming off of an injury and but he was he was cleared to play. So it's not like they sent him out there uh, all willy-nilly. I mean, he was obviously feeling good enough to play in an NFL football game. Um but yeah, I if I'm, I'm sure the players are very mixed. Some players that think they might be with the organization probably don't care as much. Um, I, that that would be my take because they know that moving forward, it's going to be more important to have them fully healthy in 2018. But we could we could talk in circles all day about this, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is headed to IR. See if we get any comments on this post or any comments on any other columns about it, but. Interested to hear what people think. I'm sure it's pretty split amongst our uh, readers as well.
0: You know, one scout I was speaking to about on noon on Tuesday, um, we were talking about the matchup and all this, and I said, well, okay, finally I said, well, what, what, what do you want to predict for a score? And he said, okay, if Rogers plays, he says, um, I think the Vikings can score 27, but I think the Packers are going to be right there and they're going to be jacked. He says, I'll go 27-26. Mm. I said, okay, what if he doesn't play, and it's Hundley? Uh, he goes uh, 27-13. See, so he throws, I think,
1: 13. I, I think even if Rodgers plays in this game, they still lose by a 4-plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yep. nothing uh, – the motivation outside of the rivalry just wouldn't be there is if they beat – if they beat Carolina – I think they could potentially win the game. That's just how the NFL works. That motivation has to be there. And the whole team has to be rallying, and if they would have beat Carolina, that that would be the case. But even if he played, I don't really see it. I mean, I took, I took a leap with the predictions last week thinking that Green Bay would win against all logic, and I said that. It just, the NFL is very unpredictable, and I thought there was a chance that the Packers could pull this out and rally behind Rodgers, even though they were clearly the... Even though Carolina was clearly the better team, but that obviously played out as it should have, I think. Um, so, yeah, even if they played Minnesota, I think they probably lose
0: that game. But
1: let's jump into... Let the, me mention one okay. more thing,
0: okay, Charlie? Let yeah. me mention one thing. I think the rivalry is such now... I mean, most fans think, and, and the, I think the players, too, feel that Minnesota is their number one now. I don't, but they do, I think. Um, Rogers plays this game... I think you've got a, an emotionally jacked team. Playoffs are no players. I don't even think they care. you got Minnesota coming in here on an 8-degree, 10-degree night. Scoring is going to be at a premium. Passing is going to be at a premium. Trying to knock off, you know, show a show little case Keenum what's up. You know, I'm just saying what, what the mindset. And I don't care what McCarthy said yesterday. They would be a spoiler, and they could wreck the Vikings season or or turn it around, you know. Um I think you'd have an emotional out, outpouring I really do. Um and there could be another one. These are division games and that's why the NFL matched division games at least in week 17 the finale so guys wouldn't be quitting. So you're right. We could talk all about about this again and again. Charlie, where do you want to go next?
1: Well, let's let's not forget. Minnesota's a pretty good defense. I mean, they could barely move the ball against Carolina. So I I don't know. There's a lot of factors there. You I'm not even sold they can move the ball against Minnesota, even even though points are at a premium. But So let's go to, a lot of people are talking about this. Uh, nobody's going to the Pro Bowl. No one will be spending vacation. Where is the Pro Bowl now? Didn't they move it? <laughs> is it in Orlando? <laughs> I,
0: I, I haven't watched it since I was about 12.
1: How I, about you? Do you watch it? I haven't watched a snap in probably 10 years. There, I Seriously, don't think I do not turn it on. I don't think there's anything they could do to ever get me to watch it either. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. no
1: nobody's going to Orlando or wherever the hell it is this year. But uh, it's it's a big deal. So, uh, Pro Bowl, nobody's gone. Didn't really seem like anyone should have gone. What does that say about the roster and the depth of this organization right now?
0: Well, let's get a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. Um, since the Packers turned the corner, began their uh, renaissance in 1992, this is the fourth time in those 26 seasons when they haven't had a guy selected. 99 under Ray Rhodes, the team was 8-8. Eight and Old eight. 5 under Mike Sherman, they were 4-12. and In 2013, under McCarthy, Rogers' first collarbone year, they were 8-7-1. and one. 27 teams had at least one guy selected, five did not. The Jets 5-9, and nine, the Bears 4-10, the Colts 3-11, the Brownies 0-14, and the Packers 7-7. Seven and seven. Let me just say this too, Charlie. Um, when I first got on this beat, the Pro Bowl was a huge story. I mean, for a, a day or two before the, the balloting was revealed, um, I'd always write a story, talk to coaches, assistant coaches about what, and the Packers weren't very good, but who they thought deserved consideration talk to players about this beforehand. Uh, It was a big thing. And the reason why, because the ballot was split 50-50 between coaches and players. And uh, it was meaningful. I mean, a lot of guys had, uh, you make the Pro Bowl, you get a certain uh, incentive clause, pay up on that. Then in 1995, it all changed. That's when the league decided to involve fans. So now the vote is split 33-33-33. At that point, it lost all credibility at least with me, not all, but a lot. And, you know, I would never write anything beforehand. I wasn't writing anything when the when the team was announced in the last 10 years. Um, it just wasn't that big of a thing. Jeff Saturday, the Packers center, who had a terrible year and got benched in 2012, he made the Pro Bowl that year. I mean, that, that's just the poster child for how ridiculous this this thing has become with the fan vote. No knocks to the fans, but, I mean, they're just not – they shouldn't be involved in this. It's just a a money-making ploy by the league. Ridiculous. So, anyway, with that in mind, Green Bay had zero picks. Um, Yeah, it's not good. Now, there's going to be injury replacements coming in, Charlie, you know, and I don't recognize any of those guys as pro bowlers. The only pro bowlers are the ones who were, you know, immediately selected initially who could have made it David Bakhtiari I think is the one guy left tackle but he missed like what four games or three or four something like that so that hurt his chances uh, beyond that I mean there's always surprises with this fan voting but you know Justin Vogel had a really good year you don't know how people are going to look at this Martinez had a million tackles no he's not doesn't fit my dis- definition of a pro bowler but you never know so yeah it's kind of a black mark and um You know, it's kind of a black mark as well when two ex-Packers, cornerback Casey Hayward of the Chargers, strong safety Micah Hyde of the Bills, they both made it. Um, Packers let Hayward walk, and I totally agreed with that decision when they did because he didn't make a play his last year in Green Bay. He uh, he left in March of 2016, three years, 15.3 million, 6.8 of which is guaranteed. Uh, He's made this two years in a row. He's played well, there's no doubt about it. I've seen him. He's played well. He's a really good cornerback right now. Micah Hyde, wow, he started every game for Buffalo. He's got five picks, 12 passes defensed. That's pretty many for a safety. 69 tackles, third on the team. Packers let him walk for 30.5 mil over five years. That's $14 guaranteed. So the Pro Bowl, Packers normally send out a press release announcing their their picks, their selections, and their alternates. There was no 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 press release coming from Green Bay last night. <laughs> no press release needed.
1: Yeah, I think you summarized it pretty well. Not a good look when two D-backs are in the Pro Bowl. That used to be on your team when that's obviously a glaring weakness on your current squad. But that's uh, that's interesting as well. Yeah, I don't really have anything else on the Pro Bowl. I don't care about it. Uh, but when nobody makes it from the Packers, it, it's tends to resonate with some people, so thought we definitely had to cover that. So let's jump into the Carolina game. Uh, the Panthers imposed their will. They looked like the team that was the Super Bowl contender of two years ago. They did what they were doing that year, getting stops, creating turnovers, running the ball, dinking and dunking, but then making big plays with Cam as well. Uh, it was outside of the final few minutes. It felt like total domination. Yeah, the Packers had the lead at half, but it just didn't really feel like uh they were ever in control of that game. Season's over. Uh Carolina puts the dagger into the Packers season. What were your uh initial thoughts after running the tape back of that game and where do you kind of want to go with that?
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the quarterback. I mean, that was the national story and a lot of people saw this as a chance for, you know, this wild card, you know, kind of struggling team all of a sudden to turn it around and maybe get to the Super Bowl with the Carson Wentz injury and, and whatnot. And that was the buzz all week long everywhere you turned, and um, Rodgers just wasn't up to it, man. Um, he had three picks, Charlie. He hasn't had three picks in a game since 2009. And they were bad picks. Uh, he's only, they're all on him, and they're all bad, yeah. yeah. So that really – I mean, had he played average to a, a, a good – they probably would have won the game, but three picks is just too much. Three possessions ended. Didn't lead to a lot of points, but it just disrupted the offense. And, uh, and other than the onside kick, which was a a miraculous play by Mason Crosby and Marwin Evans, you know, this thing just would have been kind of over and they would have been taking a knee earlier. Um, beyond that, uh, The defense just, I mean, showed no ability to 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 handle Greg Olson or uh, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, just terrible defense. Um, Blown coverages by Josh Jones. I mean, he's just become a liability most of the season in coverage. Um, Inability to handle Olson, who was coming off foot surgery. Um, They tried. They played Joe Thomas over Jake Ryan, hoping to get a little bit more speed, but that wasn't the answer either. You got Martinez, uh, his drop on one of those plays down the middle was not good. Um, open receivers, just blown stuff, terrible. Uh, you know, I went back and looked, um, cause Troy Aikman mentioned this and he was dead right on, uh, on a shovel pass in Cleveland the week before the Packers had 10 men on the field. I didn't know that at the time and he spotted it and uh, kudos to Troy, um, in this game, the Packers had to call a waste a timeout on defense for having 12 guys on the field. In this game, they had to waste three timeouts because the play clock was about to hit zero. That's just poor, disorganized coaching. Um, what else was there? What <laughs> confusion were your... in the secondary? Josh Jones didn't know where to line up. I mean, you got guys pointing at him before the snap, pre-snap. 15, 14 games into the season, and that stuff happening—it's really brutal. I'm sorry. What What were your thoughts on Rodgers throwing it 45 times? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, not enough running, right? Carolina had given up five yards a carry in its previous four games. Um, 114 yards on the on the ground in those four games. And McCarthy ends up handing to the handing the ball to his running backs 13 times. Now, they did a great job. Aaron Jones had ripped off runs of 23 and 20, the average 15 a carry. Williams was okay running inside 10 for 30. But, you know, they were jamming the box at times. Good running teams, which the Packers were kind of portraying themselves as, you just hammer at that anyway. And, and the runs you, you do in the first half for one or two or three – softens it up, and then if you have a good running game, then that running game, that's the way it works in the NFL, then that pounding pays off in the second half. Defenses tend to tire, and offensive linemen you know, get, get a second win, and so do backs, you know, you feed them. Then you got Aaron Rodgers throwing off classic play action stuff, either from under center or off a shotgun, and then back two or three steps. Uh, McCarthy doesn't really want to do that, you know. I mean, he wants to throw and throw and throw, and in this situation, mid December, against a good defense with a wounded quarterback, um, he should have run the ball more. It's uh, pretty much plain as day. I'm sure Rodgers, we don't know now with the RPOs at the line of scrimmage. There might have been some call runs that Aaron turned uh, into, into passes. Don't know that. Never know that. I'm sure there was some of that. I would imagine so.
1: Yeah, I just I didn't didn't feel like a game he should be throwing the ball 45 times and especially coming back (laughs) from that injury and they were like you said they were moving the ball on the ground so that that number stuck out to me but yeah I thought you summarized it pretty well in my eyes it just I mean the second half the the drive to get it within seven and then the miracle onside kick and that's just how the NFL is when you're down 14 you just march 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 honestly they they made it look way harder than most teams do when they're down 14. Usually, when you're down 14, it's just zing, 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 minute and a half off the clock, touchdown, get the ball, kneel it. So I was I was actually shocked how hard it was for them to get down the field and even punch it in. You got to really be bad to get beat bad by a big number in this league, don't you? It's extremely hard to lose by 14. Yeah, it, it's usually a pick six at the end of the game or. A stop, a four and out, which is like usually a miracle four and out. People that bet know that <laughs> it's very. And if you're up
0: by 21, then the offenses just kind of start taking it easy, don't they? And, and nobody can get a first down running against a jack- jammed up nine man front, so they punt, and there's more scoring by the losing team. And oh gee. It's it's run, 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 punt, uh, take
1: off maybe two and a half minutes, let them score, run, 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 and then all of a sudden it's like oh we should focus. That's how it goes. That's the NFL in a nutshell. Very predictable. Right, you,
0: you watch a lot of college football. No, there's a lot more routes, right? I mean, what, what happens at the end of those games when somebody's getting killed? College
1: teams tend to step on your throat. They don't like to put the games in the hands mm-hmm. of their defense. So where an NFL team will just take the conservative route, let's say there's let's say there's 2 minutes and 45 seconds the other team has one timeout they'll run hit the 2 minute warning run there'll be a timeout run it'll be 120 let's say that final play was like 3rd and 4 i mean i'm i'm just trying to think of a situation on the fly but college teams tend to not want to give the ball back and even if it they don't usually let it get to that point so when you have these 14 point leads they don't just take the air out of the ball. You have to earn it to get it back, to even mount a comeback. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, offenses are way more spread out, obviously. So defenses aren't as good top to bottom. So I make I think that makes it easier. But then people also know their defense isn't that good. So, yeah, college, I don't know. To me, college is a much more exciting product right now. A lot of, a lot of people might disagree, but I know a lot of people do agree. So it's. Uh, mm mm-hmm. Very, 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 very different football products, and I would argue college is the better one right now.
0: So do you think the college head coaches are less petrified of that late-game turnover than their pro guys who are making millions of dollars and just so much pressure and scrutiny on them? I do. I think I think the NFL, mm-hmm. It's the coaches,
1: the one thing they don't want to do is lose a game by doing something out of the box. If they mm-hmm. lose a game taking the conservative route, Hey, it happens. That's what happens in the NFL. It's really, you don't have to answer questions to the media. You don't get grilled about it. But the second you try to do something and it backfires, it just comes pouring down on them. And the NFL being the fraternity that that it is, just conservative all the way through. (laughs) That's why you get a coach like when Tomlin will start doing some crazy stuff on fourth down and he'll go for two. I mean, I love that in the NFL that there's not Mm -hmm. a lot of coaches that'll do that.
0: Um, Belichick does some stuff like that, right? He's, yeah. got, uh, he, he's got the collateral, man. Exactly,
1: and he also, he also <laughs> trusts Brady to make those plays as well. I mean, you'll see they're actually a prime example. They kind of play like a college team where they will step on your throat. They're not just going to jam it up the middle three times. They're going to make you earn it. They might mix in a pass on second down. They're always great play calls, and they're well-designed, but at least they do it. Yeah. See it every weekend. Charlie,
0: this is... I'm I'm sorry. What I said you, you'll you gonna... see
1: it every weekend if you pay attention to it. How conservative. Yeah. It is.
0: Um, I want to get this mention. This um, Mike McCarthy Charlie has coached 190 regular season games right now. Okay. How many games do you think he's has he coached of those 190 in which his team is no longer in playoff contention? Hmm. Man.
1: Uh, 190, I'd say, I, man, 10, 12. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. The answer is two. Two. <laughs> um, you made the playoffs the last eight years, right? Yeah. And, uh, okay. So kind now let's go back that. to 0, 08. Rogers first year as a starter, they finished six and 10, but they started out five and five. And they were in a three-way tie for the division lead after 10 games. Well, then they lost four in a row or something like that. So, But they weren't mathematically eliminated till after game 14. Gotcha. So that's two. 15 and 16, They, you know, it was uh, didn't count in the playoffs. All right. 07, they were 13 and 3, made it. 06, um, they were 8 and 8. But the rest of the league, NFC, wasn't very good. Uh, again, went right to the last game. They had, a, they were in the contention until the last Sunday. They won. They finished eight and eight, and then they lost a tiebreaker to the Giants at eight and eight. Two games in his history, and now he's going to double that so, and so make it four. It. Yeah, this is really uncharted territory.
1: Yeah, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back will produce a number like that.
0: Yeah. Um well what else uh we could talk about the odds this week what uh what do you think
1: yeah I was curious what it was going to happen I mean obviously it was it was off the board until the decision was made uh it's nine it's pretty much sitting nine everywhere I saw some places it opened at ten but nine's a <laughs> that's a big number at home for the packers i I don't know the stats behind it I think you dug into it a little bit um but i I expected it as soon as he went to IR. That's that's mm. the minute Minnesota. It's the perfect storm for that because Minnesota is actually good, and they have a very solid defense, and their offense is humming. Right. Keenum is, and he looks like John Elway and, back there.
0: <laughs> just, guys just and they need done. it. They're they're yeah. fighting for you know this, and they need it. Um, Mike Zimmer with a victory would be four and four against McCarthy. Uh, the Vikings, with a victory, would have their first sweep over Green Bay since '09, when Brett Favre was their QB. Um, McCarthy's 16-7 and 1 against the Vikings, including 9-2 and 1 in Green Bay. Uh, they've throttled the Vikings. There's no question. And the Vikings, you know, want to get back here, uh, get back and, and win one over here Saturday night. Now let's look at the spread. It's a nine-point spread right now. Uh, It started at eight, open at eight and a half yesterday afternoon after the announcement on Rogers. And now it's at nine. The Packers have almost never been an underdog at Lambeau with Farver Rogers. I mean, it's the most amazing thing. Almost just so infrequently. I went back through all this stuff yesterday. So their spread of nine points. um, It's the largest at home in 29 years. Largest in in Wisconsin in 29 years. You got to go back to December. I got the paper right here, December 11, 1988, when the Vikings came to town. Um, a ten and a half point favorite the Vikings were. Uh, let's look at this game a little bit. Let's flash it back, okay, Charles? The pack came in two and twelve. This is my fifth year full time on the beat. <laughs> And I, the was, I was eight. I was nine months
1: old. Eight months <laughs> old. So I didn't I didn't yeah. see the, I didn't see the film on this one, so let me hear it.
0: <laughs> what was that one? Remember I was going back and forth over that play, and remember that Bennett slips? Yeah, I do. Yep. <laughs> you were about seven, maybe. Edgar yeah. Bennett was going around the end, and I went back and forth over this play like twenty times to see what happened. And the announcer, remember that? Bennett slipped. Yeah. Bennett slipped. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> you remember just, it, right? Yeah, I
1: was just sitting there watching.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were six, just, you know, out of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in this game, wow. Um, all right, the, it was 14 degrees, December 11th, sunny day. The capacity of Lambeau then was 57093 so forty eight eight nine two showed up. So that's about nine thousand no shows, eight thousand. Um, this team is two and twelve, and um, let's see. And the Packers have been horrible at home. They hadn't won a union game that's you know with real players um, in more than three years. <sighs> okay, and that was at home. They were a terrible home team. So in this game, Brent Fullwood, their leading rusher, all of a sudden he has a hamstring injury and he can't play. So they start Larry Mason. I mean, I don't even remember Larry Mason, but he had a big game here. So the backfield was Larry Mason and Keith Woodside. Woodside left early in the third quarter with a bruised shoulder. And Kenneth Davis, the rookie, had the second-year guy, had to replace him. He hadn't played in eight weeks. Uh, the other receiver opposite Sterling Sharp was little tiny 5'8 Aubrey Matthews. OK, um, the tight ends were uh, Ed West and Clint Didier. The quarterback was Randy Wright entering that game. His record as an NFL starter. He was six and twenty five. He was a badger. Um, Don McCouse, coming off a shoulder injury. Quote from Lindy and nobody out there. The fans, the media were giving us a snowball's chance to win this game. But we knew we had a chance. And they did. Um, Jerry Byrne, the Vikes coach, said, "I didn't think we were ready for that game, but we were ready for this game." Oh, he was talking about the first meeting. The Packers won. The Packers one of their two victories early in the year was at the Metrodome. They stunned the Vikes, thirty-four to fourteen. So this was for a sweep. Jerry, on this game here, Jerry said, "Our players played hard. It came down to the bottom line. They made the plays. We didn't. That's horrible." Vikes had 44 on the ground. Defensive coordinator Hank Bulla, the old doctor of defense, after this one for Green Bay, he said, we've had good performances, but this was this was the best one. This one kind of tops it off. Anyway, Randy Wright leaves with, a, I think, a groin injury shortly before half, and um, Don Mikowski had to play. Uh, the field was in brutal shape. Um, Charlie, the Packers had not... Uh, won as an underdog in Lambeau since that great Monday night victory in 1983 over the Super Bowl-winning Redskins. Um, 48-47 that night. Pack was a a five-and-a-half-point dog. That's the last game they had won at Lambeau as an underdog. Well, how many Um, times have they been an underdog? um, A few times. Oh, yeah. Oh, in 84 and 85, they were – yeah, there was quite a few. They were an 8-and-8 eight eight team, and they were certainly competitive on off offense. Yeah, they were fine. Not since I've um, been alive. The last time the Packers have won a game anywhere as a larger underdog was at Cleveland in 86. Browns were favored by 13. Well, I remember that one, too. Tim Harris had about three, four sacks, and uh, Green Bay was 0-7 going into the old uh, old Cleveland stadium. Um. The Vikings and everybody was upset with the field. The Packers had an electric blanket, Lombardi's electric blanket, under the field. They activated it 15 minutes before kickoff. This was always a very touch-and-go operation. When do you turn on the blanket? And I remember Tom Miller, uh, the old assistant to the GM and president, he used to be in charge of that stuff. But they turned it on and it made the outer areas of the field soft, but it didn't do much for the middle. So people were slipping uh, like it was a patches of ice between the hash marks. They kept changing shoes. Uh John Dorsey oh no hold on that's not right. Uh it was Dean Dorsey was a Packer kicker. So that's the way it was twenty nine years ago when the uh when the Packers stunned the Vikings. The headline on Don Langenkamp's column was Fans Cherish Surprise. Green Bay doubles Vikings embarrassment. Uh Lambeau Jinx finally put, put to rest. Do you believe that? 13 games in a row they had lost at home, Charlie, mm. as, a, as a real union team, I call them, until they won this game. So it's going to be cold here Saturday night, beyond belief. You know, single digits it's looking like. There's going to be a lot of snow in Green Bay on Thursday. That's the forecast, 2 to 5 inches. So it's going to be a winter wonderland. You wonder now with the, uh, the huge capacity... About eighty thousand. You wonder how many no shows there's going to be. You know there's going to be a bunch.
1: There'll be there a might bunch. might be
0: thousands and thousands. There'll be a bunch, but the timing of the game around the
1: holidays, I think, will save it because I have a feeling a lot of families have made plans for this. I mean, I already know two or three friends that have had huge planned tailgates this entire time. So I think a lot of people have structured their holiday plans around it, which means they'll go by, uh, be forced to go, go by default. You think
0: there will. You think we might never know unless you were there looking at it, but do you think there will be 70,000 there at kickoff, 10,000 less,
1: Uh, or
0: more?
1: More. More. I put my trust in the crazy Packer fans. (laughs) I know people are pissed, and I know nobody wants to watch or read about them right now, but I think based on the circumstances of the weekend, and I also think there's gonna be a ton of Vikings fan as well, so let's not forget about that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think there. This is the this is the one game Vikings fans will want to be at at Lambeau after years of misery. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of them there.
0: You think there could be ten thousand purple
1: fans there? Could be. Yeah, it's probably really. Yeah. I mean, wow. it's probably really really easy to get tickets right now. So yeah.
0: Wow. I mean, there never has been a huge contingent of Viking fans here the way there was huge contingents of Packer fans at the old Metrodome. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and things uh, change when college you, field
1: things change when your teams are winning. Yeah, it's a lot more
0: fun um, down on the road. No, Aaron Rodgers. <sighs> wow, it's going to be a real indication about Packer fans and, and their strength and where they're. Where they're sitting with this uh, with this team, supporting their team and this administration and staff and and roster. So, it'll be interesting to see. It's going to be a rugged night out there, though. There's no question. Yeah, that that'll hurt it too. It's going to be chilly. A lot of last-minute Christmas shoppers, Charlie. You think they're going to pull away and go to the ball game, huh? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> So that All right, uh, well, let's let's
1: parlay that uh, since it was Vikings talk already. Let's jump into the Vikings preview and dissect yep. dissect the uh, offensive and the defensive side of the ball.
0: All right. Well, let's go right to Case Keenum. Right, uh, <laughs> he's the surprise player of the year. I mean, I don't know what kind of award he's going to get, but he he certainly deserves something. On April fourth. He was an unrestricted free agent from Houston, and the Vikings signed him, Rick Spielman, the GM, for one year at two million bucks one million guaranteed. I looked at the incentives. there's only like 250 grand that he picked up with incentives. Um, his career record had been nine and 15 with a rating of 78.4 for the Texans and the Rams. Do you remember watching him much, watch Charlie, and fantasy and
1: all that stuff? Well, I remember him more in college, to be honest, because he always kind of yeah. sucked in the NFL. But yeah, it's 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 incredible. He looks like uh, it's looks like it's somebody else with the Keenum jersey on. I mean, he has a ninety-eight point nine rating right now, and you and I watched him over Thanksgiving. I mean, running the ball, scooting, hitting guys mm. right in the hands, every sort of route he's hitting right now. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, he's resorting back to his college
0: days. You know, he's really the third stringer. I mean, they they kind of knew Bridgewater wasn't going be to be ready to, to start. So Bradford had the job, and then he got hurt. And then the week before the first Green Bay game, Bradford started in Chicago, re-injured his knee. Keenum came in, engineered a victory. Bradford eventually couldn't play, went on IR, and so it's been Keenum ever since, and now Bridgewater's back as two um
1: the other thing that stands out is how efficient he's going about things. If you look at the last 5 games, his completion percentages are 87%, 83%, 71, 70 and 61. I mean, just an yeah. efficient player right now.
0: His ratings in the last 6 in order 117, 100.8, 121.8, 120.4 Seventy five point nine, there was a downer, and one thirty-eight point four in the road of the Bengals Sunday. <laughs> yeah. He is not messing around. <laughs> so he made a couple plays out of his uh out of his butt here against the Rams on November nineteenth. So after that, Mike Zimmer, the coach, <laughs> the plain talking coach, said Zimmer, or said Keenum quote, has got a horseshoe right now. And uh Dick Korek, the longtime Packer scout and NFL executive uh, that you know very well, Charlie, when you were younger. Um, Dick used to talk about players who were lucky. He'd say, well, he's like born with a horseshoe up his ass. (laughs) 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 He said that about a lot of players in the draft. I remember that. So that's Keenum right now. (laughs) Three days later, Zimmer was asked what he really liked about uh, Keenum, you know. And he said famously... The thing I like the most about Case is he's got big balls. He's not afraid. And that's the way he plays, doesn't he? I mean, he just, he's kind of a gunslinger. Uh, I think one scout said that he's toned it down. He said, quote, when he first started playing, he was more of a gunslinger. He's kind of toned it down a little bit. I think he realizes with that defense, if he doesn't screw it up, they've got a pretty good chance to win. He still takes chances, but he's gotten more disciplined.
1: Yeah, that's the kicker. The uh, He no longer has to win. I mean, he's kind of a game manager, I guess you could call it right now, but he's turned
0: into a very, very effective one. You know how many times he's fumbled, Charlie? In the, he's played like 12, 13 games now. I don't know. He's once. fumbled once. Yeah. Once and lost it. 1-1 one, one is fumbled number.
1: Seven picks, 20 touchdowns. That's what I see.
0: 98.7, that's tied for seven in, uh, in the league. I think 98.9. He rushed for 162. He runs around. All right, I asked a scout if he's got enough to win a Super Bowl. He said, I don't think so. When you get into the playoffs, there will be teams that are going to score a lot of points. I think, I think of those some of those 38-31 games. I don't think he's dynamic enough to just put up a bunch of points against some other teams that can.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean Philly was a team that could, but who knows about them anymore? The Falcons obviously can, but I don't know. the The NFC picture is changing. Uh, the Saints can, Panthers can, so yeah, it's tough.
0: I haven't seen enough of the Rams to really
1: know. Well, they're so much lighting about up. The sco- they're lighting it up too. They're another team that you just keep thinking: Is this going to keep going? Is a, Is golf and company going to keep lighting up teams? But they are. I mean, they
0: torched Seattle last week. Mm. Yeah. Keenum is one on the nose, 215. Um, one scout, he says, uh, check his hand size for that game uh, Sunday, Saturday night. So I did. Nine and one-eighth inches. That's really small. Now let's check Brett Hundley. He's 6'3, 226. How big are his hands? They're massive, massive, 10 and a half. It could be, you know, cold balls, man. That's a problem that always has been. Farb talked about that. I think Rodgers has talked about it. A lot of QBs have. Hand size is a factor in bad weather. Um, all right, what else about the Vikes? Their offensive line, uh, they've had some injuries, and I think while Riley Reef practiced today on a limited basis, the left tackle, uh, he could be back. He missed one g- the last game. If he's not, a guy the Packers have never seen, Rashad Hill, number sixty-nine. He's six-six and a half, and he's got thirty-five and three-eighths inch arms. He's a free agent from Southern Miss, I think. Southern Miss, uh, yeah, that's right. He's made six starts. I think five on the right side, one on the left. And he's, you know, he's got pretty good feet. He's raw and he doesn't bend great, but uh, he's not a bad sixth offensive lineman at all. Uh, the others, are uh, they've had a really good year. They've rebuilt their offensive line, and besides Keenum, that's really been the key to their season. Uh, their offensive line is much more efficient than it was. Uh, Stefan Diggs, the uh, heretofore number one receiver, he didn't play in the Packer game. Um, and then Keenum got this great relationship going with Adam Thielen, and so Diggs is now number two, Thielen's number one, and uh, it's a pretty good pair.
1: Yeah, uh, throw you Rudolph. Coach, you know, throw Rudolph in the yeah. mix, and they've got three serious weapons on the outside.
0: Rudolph played only 21 snaps against the Bengals because he had an ankle injury and was questionable, doubtful going in. But he made it through. He got a touchdown. I'm sure he'll be moving better this in this ball game. Um, the running backs, you know, they lost uh, Cook early and thought it was going to be a death knell. I mean, they had just used. Uh, buy so many things around Cook. He had 354 yards and a 4.8 average already, 11 catches. Um, but they lost him to a blown ACL in that first month. You know, Latavius Murray has really come on the x raider He's an upright runner, but he does run hard, and he still has some quickness. And then Jarek McK- McKinnon's been a revela- uh, revelation. Um, more receiving, really. He's got 50 catches. He's a pretty dangerous player, I and mean, he's the ex uh, triple threat, triple option quarterback at, what is that, Georgia, not Georgia State? Georgia. Um, Southern? Uh, Georgia Southern. Southern, yeah. <clears throat> but he can run in the low 4 4s, and he's a threat. So they can, you know, they're running. That was their best running game of the year, uh, Zimmer said, against the Bengals. So they can throw it, and they can run it, and Keenum can kind of scramble around. So that's their offense. They're okay, Charlie they're they're definitely okay. Uh a lot of
1: a lot of talent around with the emergence of Teelan. I mean Diggs is a a very productive wide receiver as well and then Murray and McKinnon have combined for over 1000 yards rushing since they've taken over and then thrown McKinnon as a scat back on third downs. I mean yeah, they they've got pieces in every place right now. I, I had Delvin Cook in fantasy so I get. I I saw how good he was to start. I agree. When he, when he went down, I thought I was going to change drastically, but they just keep clicking. And with the defense that you're about to get into, it's it's a pretty good pair.
0: So Mike Zimmer, of course, uh, calls coaches his own defense. He's heavily involved with the secondary. That's his. Uh, that was his position of expertise. They've got a real good break on the injuries this year. You got Sharif Floyd. Their three technique. He hasn't played a snap. He's on reserve non-football illness with his uh, knee problem. Uh, I don't know if he's ever going to play again. But, I mean, other than that, uh, they got everybody accounted for right now, and um, and they're good. Now, from the first Packer game, the Packers did not see the strong safety, 34, Andrew Zendejo. I think he had a groin replaced by Anthony Harris. That's a big drop-off. Zendejo's a, a massive hitter. Uh, he's been fined several times. Um, you know, he, he's a he's a tempo setter. He will run that alley and really rip you, you know, coming off coming off the edge. He's a big tackler, hard hitter. You know, his coverage is not terrible either. So he's back. The Packers also uh, you no know, everybody else they saw. So let's look at their front. Um, Everson Griffin's got like 13 sacks, I think it is. How many's he got? Uh, 13, he leads the team in quarterback, hurries with 66. Second in hurries, Danielle Hunter, the left end, with 43. Then you go to Brian Robeson, who plays inside on sub, he's got 29. And Linval Joseph, the uh, really an incredible nose tackle, he's got 29. And Tom Johnson, that hustling uh, three technique, has 26. So they rush the passer pretty darn good. Don't have to do a whole lot of blitzing, although they have that a-gap stuff, and you got to really be aware of what Zimmer's going to do because he's very clever. Um, Joseph shuts down the run. I mean, Corey Lindsley's got a really tough time on his hands. Uh, he knows Joseph now. He's played against him a bunch, and that's a, an all-day assignment. Um, Danielle Hunter against Spriggs. Whew. Spriggs is the, their weak link, certainly, and um, nobody knows if he's ever going to be a player. So Hunter has really come on. Zimmer said the Bengal game was his best game that he's played all year, and then Griffin against Bakhtiari that'll be a, a matchup to watch. Two really good players. All right, at linebacker, Anthony Barr is having his best season. Uh, he said that he's gotten a lot of hate mail from uh, from Packer uh, fans and fantasy players um, for his uh, what was ruled and in. in in replay or whatever and by the official is a legal hit on the rogers injury so he's a huge guy with great speed eric kendricks is the uh, productive inside backer the small guy he picked off a pass and ran it in for a touchdown that's the vikings first defensive touchdown of the year that was against the bengals and ben giddy in a rookie from michigan plays about 10 snaps he's good against the run so that's their linebackers now, the secondary, you've got Xavier Rhodes, this big guy from Florida State, who now matches up with whoever is the best receiver. Last time it was uh, Devontae Adams. <clears throat> now we don't know if Adams is going to play with his concussion. He missed another day on Wednesday. Uh, it's beginning to look uh, if he, to say the least. So he would probably cover Jordy Nelson like he has in previous years. Trey Wayne's uh, the the guy from uh, Kenosha has come on. I mean, he's he stepped up his game in his third year. He was beginning to look like he wouldn't be a player, but scouts have said that Wayne's has played uh, has more than held his own as the left corner in that defense. Uh, the slot is Terrence Newman, the uh, whatever he is, 38 or 39, but he's a hitter uh Cobb could get after terrence newman there's no question about that and hunley has to exploit that matchup that's one that favors the packers and the other safety is harrison smith who's going to be he's back and forth he's more of a center fielder but he can play near the line makes big plays he can run he's really one of the best in the game so that's their d any thoughts on their d
1: charles uh, lo- I mean, top to down, they are quite loaded. So in the NFL, they are second in the NFL in yards allowed per game. They are third in passing yards per game, second hmm. in rushing yards per game, and second in points allowed per game. So hmm. top top three in pretty much every major statistical category for NFL defenses. It's, the Packers are going to have a hard time moving the ball, whoever's back there, and especially with Hundley.
0: Let me check one thing. The one thing they haven't done is taken the ball away. They only ranked 22nd in that all-important category. Uh, 12 picks, 5 fumble uh, recoveries. Okay, special teams. Ryan Quigley is a a directional punter all the way. He's not a boomer. Uh, He's been okay. Kai Forbath is their kicker. Um, 29 of 34. He's good, but I think there's questions there that maybe... That could cost the Vikings at some point down the road. Uh, the return guy is really good, Marcus Sherrills. Um, he's even improved recently. He's a veteran. He's done it forever. He's a really good punt returner, averaging 10. And um, they're, this is Mike Prefers, the assistant coach there. Uh, Their coverage teams, I know they're a little shaky early, but they have improved. So they're a nine-point favorite, and uh, they haven't done well in Lambeau Field of late. And for a rare first time in 29 years, they're a massive favorite coming in here. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting.
1: It'll be. I think you'll be able to get a read on the Packers side pretty quickly. How how much energy they have? Are they flying around? That'll show you how much they really care about this rivalry with the season over and no Rodgers back there. You know,
0: McCarthy's going to be running the ball with Hunley, and and which he should have been doing a lot more last week. And, um, you know, if they can get Linval Joseph blocked, I mean, that front is kind of small. That's just the way these four or three teams are. Hunter and, Hunter's not a big guy. Griffin's not a big guy. Johnson isn't either. And Eric Kendricks is real small. So other than Barr and Joseph, they're somewhat small on the front seven. You can get after them in the running game, and that's the only chance the Packers will have. Um, they have to establish their their superiority on that front. To do it, you have to really play hard. You got to be motivated, and you got to have a coach who's willing to be persistent, and two backs who are willing to come in and out, pound hard, and also break some tackles as the game goes on. Yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Nine's a lot, but I, I see the, I see it being a big time struggle for Green Bay to put points on the board. But again, yeah. it's the NFL. Who knows? So that's the that's the Vikings preview. Let's touch real quickly. We're pushing up to an hour here, but I want to mention some things on your column on Sunday regarding Adams and some other draft needs and discuss a few players that uh, are on the radar for 2018 before we get to some housekeeping items.
0: Sure. Um, They got an extra seven from the Bills for a trade for uh, that linebacker, Laurenti McRae, I believe it was. And then they're going to get two or three compensatory picks, maybe some real high for all their free agent losses. So they're going to have a lot of picks again. Their number one priority this offseason has to be Devontae Adams. Now this second concussion is, I mean, the poor guy, he's got a chance to set himself up for life, and now he gets a second concussion. Uh, You know, he's moving around, and he's talking, he's in the locker room and all this, so hopefully it's not a real serious thing at all um and maybe he still plays some point this season the last two games but Adams uh, uh Alshon Jeffrey just got a deal averaging 13 million on December 2nd from the Eagles and Adams I think is better than Jeffrey so Adams could be at 14 or 15 million bucks and the the Packers obviously have to have him because Nelson and Cobb have very little future and then you got Allison and I think Michael Clark could be the future at that position, too, next year in the top three, certainly. Um, But then they have needs all over the place, and I think we can talk about that in the offseason once we get through 16, you know, Charlie? Um, So, yeah, now it's get ready for the draft. Their first pick now would be, I don't know, 16 or 15, 14, depending. You know, it's going to be in there how they do. Uh, let's not forget that 1988 game that we uh, that we talked about. They were two and twelve, right? Well, by upsetting the Vikings and then beating the Arizona, the Phoenix Cardinals in Arizona, that put them at four and twelve for the year, Charlie. And it also cost them Troy Aikman. Do you remember that a little bit, or do you know of that story?
1: Mm, I definitely don't remember it. F- heard it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were writing about the Aikman Derby that year for about the last six weeks of that season. All the time, trying to get the first pick because it was Troy Aikman. And because of that, Ron Pitts had a punt return for a touchdown out in the desert at uh, Sun Devil Stadium. Man, I can remember him in that game. A crucial punt return, about 70 yards for a score up the middle of that field. And the Packers won that game. And Lindy Infani afterwards was asked about it. And rightly so. He said, I wasn't playing for any draft pick. And I'm all with you on that, Lindy. You play to win every game. As I was talking about earlier, in the NFL, anywhere, you play to win, period. You don't go out there and think about anything else. And, uh, well, anyway, the Packers got the second pick. So Jerry Jones got Troy Aikman at number one. And then Green Bay took the tackle from Michigan State, Tony Mandrich. And
1: uh, the rest is history. Also
0: in that also in that draft, Charlie Barry Sanders, um, Dion Sanders, I think, and Broderick Thomas, a really good linebacker. Some <laughs> some big names up there that the Packers missed on. <laughs> I mean, Brett Barr would never have been here. You know, Aikman would have been their guy. There's just so many ramifications of that. Those last two victories by Green Bay. Pretty crazy stuff. Yep. So that is mostly it
1: for the podcast today. Just a few housekeeping items. I've been getting a lot of emails, not a lot, but some emails trickling in asking about uh, Christmas gift subscriptions. And we can do it on a one-off basis, but the biggest issue is there's a lot of unknowns moving into the 2018 season. Um, so we, we aren't offering the any sort of season package that trickles into next year. Um, anything that we do next year will be completely separate of this year. So if you'd like to give somebody a gift uh, over Christmas for a subscription, the draft is a great option, uh, probably the best option at this point. Anything on your
0: end, Dad? No, I just um, I think we should definitely want to wish Merry Christmas to all our uh, wonderful subscribers. Uh, you guys are <laughs> mean everything to us, and um, we know, as Charlie mentioned earlier, we have extremely knowledgeable, smart uh, readers and fans who are, uh, who are with us every day and every step of the way. You can just tell by every now and then. I'll look at the comments on our, under our stories, both Rob Reichel and, um, and mine, and uh, there's a lot of smart people out there, and we appreciate their, uh, their passion for it. Um, also, want to thank our copy chief, the old-fashioned copy chief, Mark Eckel, out in Myrtle Beach, who's written. He writes those headlines, and he has the uh, unenviable task of having to read my uh, diary at the typewriter, <laughs> extended copy. Sometimes he does all that, and Rob Reichel's done a terrific job uh, covering the team as well.
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe we're already pushing week 16, but it's been uh, it's been a fast season. One more Maven article left. Yep. All right, folks. Well, that is it for this week's podcast. Thanks for listening, and until next time. Thank you. APPA Games is proud to sponsor the Bob McGinn Football Podcast. As a subscriber to this podcast, you have shown that you are more knowledgeable than the average football fan. With APPA Football, you have a chance to use your football knowledge to coach real-life football players. You are the coach of every play. Coaching alone will seldom win you games in APA. If you don't have the players or are plagued with injuries, you'll find it just as tough to win as you would in real life. APA football covers every aspect of football, and as the coach, you will, des- you will decide which players will fill each of the 11 positions on your offensive and defensive platoons. Check out APA at appagames.com. That's APBAGames.com. APBA Games.com.
0: It's getting near dawn when lights close the tire.
1: I'll soon be with.